We're going to continue talking about prayer. We're going to talk about the power of prayer. And to do that tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to illustrate the power of prayer through some amazing stories of answered prayer. And so I'm going to ask someone to come and join me tonight and help me out here. If you are part of the Bridge Church family, you have by now met Pastor Nick Smith, who is the newest addition to our pastoral team, but you may not yet have met his beautiful wife, Jessica, and she is just awesome. And we're so glad that she is part of our family. And she and Nick have been married for 10 years. They have two beautiful children, Dominic, who is seven, London, who is four. Jessica is a school teacher. She teaches a fourth, fifth grade combo class. But I have to tell you, there is a call of God on this woman's life. She has a heart for ministry. She loves God with all her heart, and she has seen God do some incredible things in her life and in her family. So I'm going to ask her to join me tonight and to open her heart and share some of those stories. So can you give a really warm welcome to Jessica Smith? All right. Isn't she cute? I love hearing stories of answered prayer because God, I'm so sorry, I'm trying to get comfortable here. Okay, excuse me. All right, there we go. <laughs> you know, when you're short, it's hard to reach the, the chair. And anyways, okay. <laughs> I love hearing stories of answered prayer because God is so faithful. And, you know, I think sometimes people can pray and just begin to wonder, God, are you out there? God, are you hearing? I want to tell you tonight, he hears. He answers. In 1 Peter 3, 12, it says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. He hears our prayers and he is faithful to answer our prayers. And Jessica has seen him answer some prayers in some just really difficult situations of life. And I know that tonight, as these stories are shared, that your hearts are going to expand with faith, and you're going to be encouraged what God can do in your life as well. And so, you know, before we jump in, can we just take a moment and pray together? I just want to encourage you, as I pray, in your own heart, in your own words, just Ask God to speak to you personally, what he wants to speak into your life tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and God, we're so grateful for your presence here with us tonight. And Father, right now, we fix our focus on you. And God, we just ask that you would come and that you would speak to each one of us in a personal way. God, that we would not just hear what you have done in someone else's life. But God, we would recognize what you want to do in our lives personally. And Father, I pray that faith would grow and expand in each and every one of our hearts and lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, you have had God do some really amazing things in many different areas of your life. 
But let's start with some of the, the answers to prayer for physical healing, the things that he's done in, in your body. Would you share with us? Yeah, so um, in 2017, I uh, went in for just a routine checkup. Ladies, we've all been there. We get our checkups, right? And we were thinking about maybe trying for baby number three. And I was thinking, okay, God, like you're going to just say everything's cool, and then we'll just go forward with this. And um, I went in, and they said, well, you have two hernias, one on each side, and you have ovarian cysts on both sides. And you're also experiencing some back pain, so we'll, we'll start looking into that as well. So um, I was like, man, I'm, I'm not healthy. I'm, I'm not healthy enough to have this other baby that I'm kind of thinking about. And um, God, I need you to show up in my life for this circumstance. So, of course, you you do the circumstance, you do the the thing that you're supposed to do. You follow through with getting your checks and your tests and all of the things that you're supposed to do. But all the while, um, I was just standing on the promise of Isaiah fifty three five that says, "He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities, but by his stripes." we are healed. And I was just declaring, God, by your stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. And so I went through and I did all the tests and we were at pre-op for these things. And the doctor called me on the phone before I was going to go in to have um, my, well, let's back up just a tiny bit. So during that same time, I had a group of friends that were my life group, my small group, and my house, and they were praying for me, and they are here tonight, but they, um, they were believing for God to heal me as well. So it wasn't just me by myself. It was where two or more are gathered, asking anything in his name, it shall be done. And so as they're praying for me and we're going through this, I get this call for pre-op, and I had been in, and, and it was about to happen. Like, surgeries are about to happen. And the doctor calls me and says, um, I just can't explain uh, what I'm about to tell you, but uh, you don't have any ovarian cysts on either side. And I was like, oh, well, I can explain that. God answered my prayer, and I'm healed in Jesus' name. Yeah. And so then it was just, it was all at the same time. So then just a couple days later, I'm going in the next day for pre-op for this surgery. And the general surgeon calls me on my cell phone. I remember sitting in the parking lot of the preschool after picking up my daughter, thinking, he's calling me on my cell phone? Like, the surgeon? Like, not a nurse, not somebody else? Like, why is he calling me? And he was like, Mrs. Smith, um, what side did I tell you you have a hernia on? I was like, well, you told me I have one on my groin on one side and one on my um, C-section incision on the other side. Okay, okay, both sides. Okay, let, hmm. Um, hmm. I mean, there was like these long, weird pauses on the phone, you know, when you're just like, you're the one going in and you're just thinking like, okay, like what, are you, what? And he goes, I just um, don't even know what to tell you. You, you don't have anything to operate on, so you don't need to come in. Um. <laughs> and I said, I know what to tell you. God healed me. And um, so all glory and honor to God for that. And, 
And that was in November of 2017 was when those healings came to fruition. And in January of 2018, I went to a women's um, conference in Pismo, and um, they were talking about healing, and, and they opened it up for a testimony time, and I don't speak in front of people, um, and here I, I am. I think she is tonight. <laughs> and I felt this burning in my soul that if you don't listen to God, you're going to regret this. And so I just, I said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I was just healed of two hernias and two ovarian cysts. And, and by the way, they tell me that I have to go in for this scan on my back, and I don't know what they're going to find. So if you could just pray for the healing that's to come for my back, that would be great. So February 20th, I come to the bridge for the very first time as a guest um, of Pastor Ann. She just met me at a coffee shop one day, and she said, you know what, can you, we're, we're having this event on Monday night. If you'd like to come, you should come. I said, okay. So that day on my way, I got a call from the doctor that said, you have two lumps on your spine, and um, we need to do a further CAT scan and investigation because basically they might be cancer, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking to send you to oncology is what he said, and I knew that oncology meant cancer, and he was trying not to say the word really hard, and I arrived that night really broken, really in a rough spot. And I didn't know any of you in this room. I didn't know what God had in store for Nick and I and our family. Um, but I did know that from the downbeat of worship through the message, um, there was a lady, a friend of yours sharing that night. And um, I just knew that God was in this place. And I knew that the people at my table, when we went to do table talk at the end of the night, that they were going to pray for me. And so Pastor Ann and Ashley and Amber gathered around me and prayed for me and declared that this was going to be okay and that God was going to heal my body. And a little while later, I got my scans back and they said, well, we don't really know what they are, but they're still there. We can still see them, but they are benign. There's nothing to worry about. And, you know, they're on your spinal cord, and we're going to watch them. But as long as they don't grow and they don't bother you, we're not going to do anything about it. And um, so I'm going in for my scans again sometime here in the near future. And I'm going to believe that they're going to be completely gone. And that they're not going to be there at all. So, um, so during that time, I was standing on the promise of God in Jeremiah 33, 6, that says, nevertheless, basically no matter what, nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people, and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. For me, my it was several things along the road. And your it might be something different, but God says, nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. So whatever it is, God will bring healing to it. Amen? And 
He said, I will heal my people and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. And so abundant to me meant it's not just enough for my hernias. It's not just enough for my cysts. It's not just enough for my cysts and my hernias and these lumps on my spine. It's abundant. It's more than enough. It's for every single thing that's going to come up in my life. I have abundant peace. Now that's the peace that passes all understanding. When we don't understand why with a three-year-old and a six-year-old, I have lumps on my spine. And at the same time, a lady in my church had lumps on her spine and she was dying. Like, and she has since passed away. And I said, that can't be me. I have babies at home and I have to raise this family. That is not me, God. But I didn't worry because I had peace that passed all understanding. When I didn't understand, God understands. When I don't know what it is, God knows what it is. And then I had this security that this verse talks about, this security that I could hold on to that God has got this. God is gonna make this situation fine. And praise the Lord, it is. Amen. Ladies, I hope you are jotting down these verses, that verse that she just read, Jeremiah 33, 6. These are powerful promises that we can all cling to and hold on to. God is faithful to perform his word. He's faithful to his promises. So as Jessica shares stories, she's going to be sharing scriptures that she held on to. Jot these things down. They're God's promises for all of us, not just for her. And, you know, as she was sharing about that, I mean, thinking about, okay, two cysts, two hernias, two tumors. I mean, how many think that's kind of a lot? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, sometimes the enemy, he just comes after us one after another after another. Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like the attacks have been overwhelming. I want you to know that God is faithful, not just for Jessica, but for you. And in the midst of it, he will give you his perfect peace if you allow him to, if you receive it. And I don't know, I just feel like there's somebody here tonight that you've been feeling overwhelmed. It's just felt like one thing after the next after the next. And I want to share this verse, these verses with you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says... We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We live in this world. There are things that happen in this world, but God is with us. He will never, ever leave us. We may get knocked down, but we will not be destroyed because the living God is with us. He is for us. He is moving and working on our behalf. He wants us to believe and hold on to his promises. And in your life, holding on to God's promises was something that you'd really been given an example of growing up. And you saw God do miraculous things in your parents' lives. And you saw a miraculous healing in your mom's life, didn't you? Yeah. Um, when I was seven, my mom had broken her spine at C5 and 6 in her neck. And um, she went in for her surgery. 
And during the course of her surgery, they said, we're going to take a bone from your hip and put it in your neck. And um, everything was set to go. We were, me and my sisters were at home with my grandfather, which was my mom's dad. And um, my dad was at the hospital with my mom. And she came out of surgery and said, Rick, I feel like I'm drowning. And the nurses just kept saying, no, no, it's fine. You just are swollen. You'll feel that in there. And she just kept telling my dad, I feel like I'm drowning. And in fact, she was drowning in her own blood. They had cut her carotid artery. So she coded, and she was dead for 14 minutes. And when she coded, my dad went into the hallway and he got people, and he started screaming the name of Jesus. And my dad is, he's amazing. And he is one of the most powerful speakers and preachers and man of God and person of prayer. But at that moment, in that desperate moment, he didn't know how to pray a fancy prayer. He only knew that there is power in the name of Jesus. And he just started screaming. He said, I, he came home later and he told us what happened. And he said, I did not care who heard me. I was going to scream at the top of my lungs as loud as I could because I needed heaven to start working right that second for your mom. And afterwards, the nurse came in and said, lady, you had divine intervention on your side. And she said, I was trying to intubate. And they kept telling me, you've got to intubate her right now. And I kept saying, it is swollen shut. And your dad was, she didn't tell me, the nurse was telling my mom, and your husband's in the hallway screaming the name of Jesus. And you must have had divine intervention on your side because I'm looking and it's closed and I'm looking and it's closed and I'm looking and it's closed and suddenly it opened and I intubated and then it closed. And she said, and you were coded for 14 minutes, and people don't survive that. So you must have had divine intervention on your side. And I'm here to tell you that the name of Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus is powerful. In John 14, 13 and 14, it says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And right, the, the verse goes on, but right there we insert self-doubt. No, God, you don't really, really mean anything, do you? Well, yeah. He says, just in case you inserted your own self-doubt there, he says, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And then in John 16, verses 23 and 24, it says, at that time you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before, but ask using my name, and you will receive, and this is just like Jesus, just to throw it in for good measure, you will have abundant joy. There's that word again. So, um, yeah, that was, that was my mom's miraculous healing that told me as a seven-year-old girl, it doesn't matter if I know how to pray fancy prayers, I can pray Jesus, and it will be done. For all of us. 
There is power in the name of Jesus. And then you saw the miraculous uh, intervention with your dad as well, right? Yeah. My dad had what they called a, a giant cell tumor. And giant cell tumors are normally found in middle-aged women in the long bones of your body. Long bones of your body, meaning your legs or your arms. And there's only seven cases in the world, not just the United States, but in the world of a giant cell tumor being in your head. And my dad's was one of them. And um, a Muslim doctor met my dad one day and said, hello, sir, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, I go around the world and I try to get people to go to heaven. And he said, what do you do, sir? And he goes, well, I go around the world and take brain tumors out of people's heads. He goes, okay, nice to meet you. Well, we're going to go ahead and do this thing. So they go in and he goes to do the surgery and he sees that the tumor is bigger than he thought. And it's surrounding his carotid artery and it's growing into his spine and it's going to take his ability to speak, if not kill him, if they cut this tumor out and he aborts the surgery. Now, world-renowned brain surgeons don't just abort the surgery. They just figure it out in the OR. But he aborted the surgery and he came out and he told my mom, he said, I didn't tell you that he could die and I also didn't tell you that he could lose his ability to speak. And he told me that he goes around the world and takes, tells people about Jesus, and so I just couldn't take that from him. That was from a Muslim man who didn't know Jesus. But he said, I couldn't take that from him. So then 10 brain surgeons get in a room, 10 of the leading brain surgeons get in the room at at Henry Ford, and um, a distinguished gentleman of radiology is in the room, and he's supposed to be on sabbatical. He's one of those doctors that travels the world and trains people how to do his procedure thing. And um, he just so happened to see there was this meeting on the board, and he wanted to go to this meeting for Rick Pasquale. And he comes in, and he's listening to everything everyone says, and he's listening to the Muslim man say what the patient um, does for a living, and and they all said, we don't have an answer. We can't operate on this man. And Dr. Yu, this Korean man, comes up and says, I'd like to look at his case. And they said, you know, Dr. Yu, that radiology does not work on giant cell tumors. It's never happened. That's not going to work. And he said, well, I'd like to look at it anyways. So Dr. Yu calls my dad on his cell phone and says, I will meet you at my office in the morning. My dad and mom show up to his office in the morning and he says, hi, I'm Rick Pasquale, and I have an appointment with Dr. Yu. And the nurses say, no, you don't. Dr. Yu's on sabbatical. He's not going to be here for three months. And he said, well, I'm telling you, he just called me on my cell phone and told me to meet him at his office, and I have an appointment. And in walks this distinguished Korean man, and he says, hello, are you the pastor? And my dad said, I am. And he said, are you the doctor? And he said, I am. And my dad said, all the nurses were running around and scrambling because this doctor was not supposed to be there that day. And he said, please come to my office. And he said, I want you to know, Pastor, that God has sent me to you. And my dad said, but sir, they told me that radiology does not work on giant cell tumors. 
And he said, I know, you're going to be part of a miracle. 11 months later, my dad is tumor-free. And 10 years later, he is still tumor-free. And during that time, my dad had to stand on something when he felt like there was nothing to stand on. And he stood on Mark 9.23. And this particular version of Mark 9.23, I feel like Jesus gets a little bit sarcastic with the people. And he says, what do you mean if I can? And now I'm an Italian and I come from an Italian family. And so it's kind of like my dad, like, I hear my dad's voice when I, when I say this verse, but it's like, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Like, you don't have faith big enough for this? What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible for those who believe. Awesome. God is so good. He is so faithful. And it doesn't matter how bad, how desperate a situation looks, God can intervene. God wants to intervene. He is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. He can. He can. You know, 1 Peter 2.24, it tells us that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. It's already been done. Our healing was paid for on the cross of Calvary. In, in scripture, one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha. That means the Lord, our healer. It's who he is. It's his very nature to heal. And maybe you're battling sickness in your body tonight. We want you to know that God is your healer. That he took those stripes upon his body on that cross of Calvary for your healing. He wants to heal you. And later tonight, we're going to be praying. We're going to be praying for needs in this place. We're going to be praying for healing. And as Ashley said earlier, we're a sisterhood of women who stand with each other in agreement, believing for each other. And we're going to see God do some miracles in this place tonight. I believe with all my heart. He is faithful. So those are some pretty amazing testimonies of God's healing power, miraculous healing power in your life, in your parents' lives. But you've also seen God do some other amazing things in your life. And one of them was uh, when you were just a young teenager. Would you share that story with the ladies? Yeah, when I was um, 13, I had been a gymnast for 10 years. And I was at a really pivotal point because the Olympics in Australia were coming up. And I had to decide whether I was going to continue with gymnastics, which would mean leaving my family in Michigan and moving in with my grandparents in Texas to train with Bella Caroli for the Olympics. And this was a giant decision to me at 13. My dream was to be an Olympic gymnast. It was what I did every single day for several hours a day. And if you have any kids that are involved in sports or competitive anything, and you have them in, in these competitive sports, you know that it's hours and hours and hours. So this to me was like my whole life besides church. It was gymnastics. And um, so at 13 years old, 
my parents said, well, you have to decide what you want to do. And so for the first time in my life, I said, I'm going to pray and fast. Not, it wasn't the first time I prayed, <laughs> but it was the first time I had prayed and fasted. And so for a week, I fasted. And that's a really big deal when you're 13, like to go without food and um, only drink water and that, I mean, and still do gymnastics and basketball and all the things, and school. I mean, think of a 13-year-old and think of how much they eat and how often they eat. <laughs> so I just said, you know what, God, I'm just going to give this to you because this is a life-altering decision. And I prayed and I fasted for a week. And God showed me some things throughout that week. He showed me that there were not any Assemblies of God colleges at the time that had a gymnastics team. And my dad had told me that I needed to go to an Assemblies of God college for at least the first year of going away to college, just so I would be in a private Christian environment. Um, but there were no colleges that had a gymnastics team that I was going to be going to. And... There were other things in my life that I could excel at, that God wanted me to excel at. And I trusted, and I prayed, and I fasted, and I came to the conclusion that I was going to retire from gymnastics at the age of 13. And at that time, I stood on this scripture of Jeremiah 29.11 that says... For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He already knew the plan he had for me. But it was a plan to prosper me and not to harm me. I knew that only good could come out of this and not bad. Plans to give you a hope. And a future. And that word future stuck out to me because that was my future. Gymnastics was my future. And God said, No, I got this. I got your future. If you'll just trust me, if you'll just stand on my word and stand on my promise, I got this. And so I decided to retire from gymnastics at the age of 13, and I had perfect peace about that decision. And how things unfolded in the years to come. Just share a little bit. So I um, ended up being a three-sport athlete after that. I went, did basketball, volleyball, and track. And I went to Vanguard on a basketball scholarship. And I blew out my knee. I tore my ACL, I tore my MCL, and my collateral meniscus. And I could no longer play basketball. And so I was in the choir. <laughs> and... <laughs> And because I had tore my knee apart, um, I auditioned for Vanguard Singers and Band. And that is where I met my husband, Nick Smith. And um, we started dating while we were in college and got married once I was graduated. And the rest is, is history. But had I not made that decision then, I wouldn't have gone to Vanguard. And then had my knee not gotten blown out, which that's not fun, um, I would have had to switch to, to singing and to choir instead of playing basketball. And I was singing today. And 
I love singing, and I worship is just something that is just something that feeds my soul. And I couldn't imagine not doing that. And so God had a plan all along, even when myself at 13, I didn't know all of the plan to come and unfold. But 20 years later, I can look back and say, God really had a plan for my life, and he had a plan that was a hope and a future. And he does have an amazing plan for your life. And she's an awesome part of our worship team here at The Bridge, isn't she? Love having you on the worship team. You know, I love this story. And I just want to take a minute and just talk to our youth girls in the place today, okay? You know, at 13, she's praying and fasting about big decisions and direction in her life. And I think sometimes when we're that age, we can think, oh, well, whatever's going to happen will happen. It'll just unfold as it does, and it'll be fine. Or we leave big decisions to our parents to tell us what to do. But I love that she, at age 13, prayed and fasted, and God gave her wisdom. And there may have been much of it at that time that she didn't understand. She couldn't know what was to come, but God knows the end from the beginning. And he will give you wisdom if you just ask for it. In James 1.5, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. He promises if we ask for wisdom, he will give it to us. So girls, ask God for wisdom and direction. And then be courageous enough to follow what he says and trust that he is orchestrating your steps and causing things to fall into place for your great future that he has ahead of you. But I also want to take a moment and just talk to the moms in this place because I see something in this story that was brilliant parenting. <laughs> I mean, her parents encouraged her to pray and fast at age 13. They didn't have to do that. They could have just made the decision for her. But then, if they made a decision, either way they made, if they had made a decision, she could have down the road been upset with her parents. Oh, why did you decide that for me? And she could have looked back with, with regret or resentment or all kinds of things. But they encouraged her to hear from God for herself. Moms, be encouraging your kids to hear from God for themselves. Don't just say, because I said and I think God said. No, encourage them to hear from God. I remember my parents doing that for me when I was young. There was a point that there was a critical decision and they asked me to pray about it. They did a similar thing. And I was so thankful for that because I heard from God. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know if I could trust that my child can really hear from God. Can I tell you something? You don't have to trust that your child can hear from God. You just have to trust God that God will speak to your child and God is fully trustworthy so you can trust him but I also believe there's another side to that too because if she had come back or in my situation if I had come back and said something that was so contrary to what resonated in her parents hearts or in my parents hearts about those decisions then I guarantee you that there would have been further conversations. 
So mom, you don't have to say, well, that's just it. Okay, they heard from God. And then and if it doesn't sit right with you and your spirit, then you say, oh, okay, then we have to do that. No, you're praying. You're hearing from God as well. And so if they come back saying something that doesn't resonate with the spirit of God on the inside of you, then there's further conversations. And maybe there's praying together and working it out together, okay? It doesn't mean that's the end of the line. But encourage your kids to pray and hear from God themselves and trust God to speak to them, all right? It's powerful. It impacts the rest of their lives. Okay. So those are, you know, a few things, a few of the many things, and we don't have time to hear all of the things that God's done in her life. But let's just talk about another situation where you've seen God's miraculous provision in your lives. Yeah. Um, when Nick graduated from college, he was looking for a job as a youth pastor, and um, he had gone on some interviews and had looked at some different places, and the one place that he really felt like God was calling him to um, they called him and they said, we want you to come. We want you to come be the youth pastor here and we can't pay you. We can't pay you not one dime. And so I was engaged to Nick at the time and he came, uh, you know, over later that day and he said, you know, I really feel like I'm supposed to go here, but they can't pay me anything. <laughs> and I had perfect peace that I know Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That is what Jehovah Jireh means, that he is the God who provides. And I said, if that's what you feel like God is calling you to do, then that's what you need to do. So he called up the pastor and he said, I'll come. And he said, okay, that's awesome. So during that course of that week, a lady walks into the church and hands the pastor a check for $20,000 pastor picks up the phone, calls Nick, and says, you're never going to believe what happened. The lady just walked into the church with a check for $20,000, and now we can pay you a salary. And when Nick told me that story, he started with, you're never going to believe what's going to happen. <laughs> and I said, I bet God provided, didn't he? And he's like, Yeah. He did. You just stole my thunder. I said, well, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. So um, Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches. Not just some, not just when he feels like it, but all of my needs. And God already knows your needs even before you have them. And so um, something else that is really cool in our story is that at the next place that we were we were pastors at um, we'd been married and 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 we go to this new town and we're looking to buy a house well it's 2008 and in 2008 there was a giant recession and all of the housing market was just totally crashed well for these first-time home buyers this was a good thing and after a very long search, we probably saw over 250 houses in the valley, and um, our realtor calls us when we are in South Carolina on vacation with my parents, just random vacation, and um, says, hey guys, you remember that one house on that one street? 
Literally, that's exactly what he said. Do you remember that one house on that one street? I told him, I said, Ian, we've seen over 250 houses. I don't remember the one house on the one street. And he says, well, it has five bedrooms and three bathrooms. And it's just Nick and I at this point. Five bedrooms and three bathrooms. And it's come back on the market. Would you like to put in an offer? And then we said, I guess so. Just go ahead and do it. And up to this point, we had been offering 105% of whatever the asking price was because we really wanted to get a house. And we said, we'll pay all the closing costs. And I said, no, just tell them. We'll offer list price, and they have to pay the closing costs. He calls us back and says, you got the house. Now, I'm a first-time homebuyer, and I say, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and he said, it means you got the house. I said, well, Ian, we're in South Carolina, and we're not there in California right now. How, well, how do I know if I like the one house on the one street? <laughs> and he said, well, you have 10 days to back out of the deal. Well, we were going to be back on the seventh day, so we were going to have three days to decide if we were going to back out of the deal. And sure enough, we kept the one house on the one street. And lo and behold, we bought this house at the bottom of the market, and God knew what he was going to do 10 years later, calling us here to the bridge. And we haven't found a house yet, but because we got that house, we now have the ability to move to Marietta and to buy a house here where we would have never had that ability before. So praise God for that miracle. God is faithful. He's our provider. He takes care of our every need. And he knows our needs before they even come. He's so faithful. Ladies, we just want to encourage you tonight that God is faithful to his word. He is our healer. He is our provider. He will pour out wisdom in our lives when we need wisdom and answers and direction. He is so faithful. And this morning, as I was just praying for all of you and praying for tonight, these verses from Psalm 27 kept running over and over in my heart. And listen, in verse 13 of Psalm 27, it says, What, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Okay, we're all in the land of the living right now, right? Yes, in case you're unsure, yes, okay? We're in the land of the living. What would have become of me had I not believed to see the Lord's goodness? What would become of us if we just sit back and let circumstances take over our life? If we choose not to believe God's promises, what will happen? What would become of us? I don't want to know what would become of me. I don't want circumstances to take over my life. I want to choose to believe that I will see God's goodness, that I will see God fulfill his promises in my life here and now in this life. Don't you? We don't have to sit back and let circumstances dictate our life. We don't have to sit back and let circumstances take over our lives. We can rise up and be women who believe the word of God. We teach it all the time here at the bridge. The biggest thing that God wants is to be believed. Let's be women who believe his word, who believe his promises and cling to them. 
Because the very next verse, verse 14, it says, Wait, hope for, and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage. Let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for, hope for, and expect the Lord. In other words, don't ever give up. Grab hold of those promises. Cling to them with all that's within you. And don't give up because God is faithful. He is faithful, not just in Jessica's life, not just in my life, but he is faithful in your life as well. And tonight, we want to pray. We want to pray because we know there are so many needs represented in this place, but there is power in agreement. And so in a few moments, we're going to pray for specific needs in this place. But before we do that, you know, I want to ask, maybe you're here, maybe you came tonight, and maybe you came with a friend, or, or maybe you heard about Bridge Women somehow, and you came in on your own, and you're hearing these things tonight, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, I never really knew that God cared about me this much, that God had promises that he wants to fulfill in my life. He does. He loves you completely. And he longs to live in a very genuine relationship with you every day. It's not about religion. It's not about traditions and do's and don'ts. We can have a genuine, living, breathing relationship with the God of this universe, the one who created each and every one of us. And he longs to have that relationship with you. And his arms are stretched out wide to you tonight. And if you've never experienced that before, I want to tell you, you can experience a relationship with God starting now. Because the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God and we confess him as the Lord of our lives, we will be saved. And you know what that means? We will be saved one thing, we'll be saved from ourselves, from our own way of independent living, of trying to do it all on our own. But also, we will be saved from the punishment of our sins because Jesus took our punishment on himself on that cross of Calvary. And we will have the ability to live and spend eternity in heaven with him. We can have the assurance of spending eternity in heaven with him when we ask him to simply be the Lord of our lives. And we do that through prayer. And we want to just all pray together tonight. And if that's you and you say you want to start a relationship with God, I want you to wrap your heart around this prayer as all of us in this place pray this prayer together. Can we do that tonight? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Father. That you see me and love me. And you know me by name. And you sent Jesus to die for me. Taking the punishment for my sins upon himself. And right now, I ask you, Jesus, and right now I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. To be the Lord of my life. I surrender all to you. I surrender all to you. 
And I choose to live for you. And I choose to live for you. From this day forward. From this day forward. Help me to grow. Help me to grow. In relationship with you. In relationship with you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we welcome sisters into God's family tonight? <laughs> <laughs>